0: All right. so uh, the subject we're going to be on this morning, to be honest with you, is not, it's something that I, I don't know that I've been trying to avoid it, but just by way of example, think of some of the loftier themes that we've touched on in the last few weeks. Uh, The fall of Satan and the victory of God over the powers of darkness. Uh, I love that kind of thing. Last week, the greatness of God in Isaiah chapter 40 and uh, to be honest with you, I'd rather be up there in the heavenly places, as the book of Ephesians says, but we do live in the trenches here on earth, so uh, we're going to touch on a subject today of how to deal with criticism. Now, in, in just the recent past, we talked on the subject of dealing with a critical spirit. That is uh, keeping ourselves from having a critical spirit and uh, falling into that trap but now we're going to look at the other side of the equation how to deal with criticism uh, when you are criticized and by the way someone once said the only way to not be criticized is say nothing do nothing and be nothing so if you're going to accomplish anything in life on a smaller or a large scale it doesn't make any difference in or out of the family, whatever it may be, uh, you're going to get some criticism. Now, let's first do a little differentiating. And while we're doing that, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Criticism is not without its humor. You know, you always heard the expression, before you criticize somebody, walk a mile in their shoes. And someone once said, that's That's good advice. Because if you walk a mile in his shoes, that way, when you do criticize him, you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. <laughs> but let's differentiate a couple of things here real quick. Number one, what, what we're not talking about this morning is constructive criticism. And uh, you often hear that term. Now, uh, constructive criticism, if I understand it correctly, is, 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 is to help, it's an attempt to help it's a, an attempt to correct, and, and really, biblically, it's an attempt uh, to restore. And um, this is another subject altogether, and by the way, we should value that. We should value that. We shouldn't be so thin-skinned that uh, we, we refuse to be, ever be critiqued, because to be honest with you, uh, that's, those are the rungs of the ladder that, that improvement in our life comes on. So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, where Paul says, uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We're not talking about that kind of criticism. And again, uh, we should be willing to welcome that. The kind of criticism we're talking about is the pot shots, uh, the drive-bys, uh, oftentimes slander. You know, I, I find it refreshing when I get accused of something that I did. I find that a lot easier to handle than when somebody just makes up something. And boy, people can pull things out of thin air. And anybody in leadership knows that. You know, you get in leadership, you, you got a bullseye on you. And uh, you know, I even said to my wife one day, in the midst of a bunch of criticism, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go out and do something terrible. And then broadcast it, just so I can be accused of something I actually did. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking, or or excuse me, uh, uh, we're not talking about constructive criticism. We're talking about pot shots, drive-bys, slander. And there's no intent uh, to help uh, whatsoever. In fact, when I stop and think about it, the current woke culture is a continual criticism of this nature against our nation. Uh, To listen to them, you would think that our country, from its inception till now, has been the most evil thing that's ever darkened human history. Isn't that the case? Uh, That's really, I mean, if, if you want to define woke culture, it is a wounded, critical spirit against our country, where they can't find anything right about it, but constantly criticize it for what they see. Is wrong, And even the rights get twisted around into wrongs. So we're going to deal with that kind of criticism this morning. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and there are a couple of examples of this in Scripture. And the Bible says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Now, she was very perceptive because she knew what was about to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ and figured she would not have the opportunity to do this. So she did it a four time. And then verse uh, 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. So there's the criticism. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. Um, if you find yourself vulnerable to criticism, if you tend to internalize things, and I, I tend to do this, I, I, would, I would recommend you, uh, you memorize that little phrase right there, she hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. Folks, in the end, all you can do is what you can do. Okay? And if you go chasing around every criticism and respond to all of it, especially this kind uh, it'll twist you up in knots. Jesus says, she has come aforehand and anoint my body to the burying. Verse nine, now watch this. She goes from being criticized to memorialized here. And, and that's what you need to remember, folks. Man will criticize you. You know, people think in terms of, oh, how wonderful it would be to be a celebrity or somebody well-known. Think that one through again. I'll tell you what, they can be praising you one day and tearing you down the next. Man is like that. Man is fickle, but God is not. So she's criticized by man, but she is memorialized by God. Verse 9, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. You know what that is? That is almost a mandate by Jesus to every preacher in the world to preach on this every so often. She gets memorialized, folks. So if you do something for the Lord, as this woman did, you'll be criticized by man, but memorialized by the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And again, the only way to avoid this kind of criticism is say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. Now remember something, these were his converts. These were his converts, but there had uh, come detractors within the group, and uh, he ended up having to defend his ministry to his own converts, which seems rather ironic, but it was because of this kind of criticism. Verse 7, do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so... Uh, are we Christ's? Uh, by the way, when when criticism against a leader uh, gets churning hard enough, what happens is there's an objectifying and demonizing phenomena that takes place where they 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 are no longer human. They become an object and they get demonized to where they get caricatured, and then people feel free to just say anything and do anything toward them. This is what has happened to Paul. And Paul is saying here, he said, look, if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, I mean, you know, these are all good guys saying this. Uh, Look at the rest of the verse. Let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are what? We Christs. (laughs) Don't forget, we're believers too. See, that's what he's doing. He's pushing back on that objectifying and that demonizing that takes place. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, verse 8, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. Uh, For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. So at this point, Paul can't do anything right. He can't say the right things. He doesn't even have the right presence. You know, why is the preacher wearing that suit? You know, that sort of thing. R- ridiculousness here. Uh, Paul in another place says, who is offended and I burn not. That's that objectifying and demonizing to the point where he can't even say or even his presence becomes contemptible. Uh, verse 11, he says this, let such and one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, then we are absent. Such will we be also indeed when we are present, for we dare not to make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And then I think of one more in scripture which we won't turn to. The Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and his enemies, his enemies casting this into his face. Others he say. Himself, he cannot save. So truth be known, we've all been on both sides of this. We've been the criticized and we've been the criticizer. Again, we talked about uh, dealing with a critical spirit in ourselves if we become the criticizer. And certain professions are more susceptible than others. Uh, People in political office, people in any kind of leadership position. Uh, Media is a big critic. Media is a big critic, and you know what? They must all be saints because they all give themselves a pass. It is as if they are the anointed and the rest of us are the benighted. So again, we're not talking about constructive criticism that seeks to restore and improve and help. Uh, As the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We should be humble enough to take this. We're talking about this other kind of rogue criticism that uh, is oftentimes slander. So let's look at four rules for dealing with it. When it comes your way, number one, remember that it's inevitable. Remember that it is inevitable. In other words, don't try to stop it. Anything that moves is going to ca- cause uh, friction. And, you know, when I look at, uh, when I look at David in the Psalms, When I look at David in the Psalms, I I think of a man who has basically worked out a deal with God, and the deal is this, Lord, I'll fight your battles, You, you got my back. I'll fight your battles, Lord, and I know you've got my back. Don't try to stop it. Anything that moves will cause friction. I found out a long, long ago, even among Christians, the only two things that the brethren will never forgive you of: the first is failure, and the other is success. <laughs> it's inevitable, folks. It's going to happen. I remember when Brother Lester Roloff had those um, those homes for the, the boys and the girls, and. Uh, uh, the media went after him down there in Texas, and they wrote articles about him, and one article had a big headline, Roloff's Robots. And what was that criticism about? Oh, they were all the time quoting scripture. All the time quoting scripture they memorized. All the time singing songs that they had memorized. But what the media didn't tell you is those kids prior to going to those homes had been on Drugs. Their lives had been ruined, and they'd been in and out of trouble continually, and even their families had given up trying to help them, and some were even court-ordered to get that help. But it's inevitable. It's inevitable. George Mueller, in the 1800s in Bristol, England, in the days when the the street urchins, they used to call them, uh, the orphans, but they called them street urchins, street kids, were all over the place. And they were this big social mess uh, that that England had. And I, I liken it maybe to the illegal alien situation. And now you got uh, governors busing them from uh, southern states, border states, up into some of these uh, sanctuary cities. I think it's interesting that these sanctuary cities are starting to squawk now and aren't as sanctuary as they thought they were. But this was a day and age when all of england was wringing its hands what to do with these kids and there was there was very much a sort of caste system mentality Um, they really wanted these kids off the streets but they didn't really want them to progress believe it or not beyond their their social status Uh, if they were these street urchins and these ragamuffin kids uh, essentially that's what they should remain but we just don't want them on the streets we just don't want the messiness of the situation. And they had no answer, and George Mil- Mueller uh, housed over 10,000 of these boys and girls in his lifetime, and not only did he give them a place to to sleep and to eat, and gave them help with literally no government and public support, strictly by faith, strictly by prayer, strictly by donation, he helped them, they taught them trades, uh, they educated them, and, and they just... just not only spiritually blessed them, and and many of these kids coming to Christ, but but lifted them socially into another strata, and and guess what the media there did? They criticized him. They criticized him. I, I say to you, number one today, it's inevitable. Number two, number two, remember this, it isn't understandable. It isn't understandable. Don't try to figure it out. You'll go crazy. You'll, you'll try to dissect the motivations. You'll, 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 you'll begin to self-examine to the point, what did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? What could I have done differently? And like I said, my, my personality and temperament is I tend to internalize things. I have to fight this, uh, this, this all the time. Now, as I said before, with constructive criticism, the worst critic can teach you something. But uh, if you focus on this, uh, your focus will be ruined. Your focus will be ruined. Uh, one thing I learned a long time ago is um, I, I got uh, a long time ago in the ministry, my first ten years or so. I, I would every once in a while I would get what I call a poison pen letter, and uh, it was a poison pen letter because uh, nobody signed it, and and so it, it would be critical of something, uh, my ministry or the church or whatever. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple problems with that. First of all, if it is good criticism, um, who do you know to thank? But the bad part of it, if it's not so good and, and not true and, and nothing you could do about it, and it's a kind that just hurts your spirit, you stand in the pulpit the next Sunday, and that letter came from nobody, and it came from everybody at the same time. So I gave my secretary these instructions. If you don't see a return address on it, I'll open it up. Run straight to the bottom of the letter. Don't read the letter. If you don't see it signed, throw it out. I don't even, know, I don't even want to know I got it. You say, what, what, are you being a, a coward? Maybe. I'm trying to protect my own spirit. Like I said, I don't want to be standing there thinking it's everybody. Because <laughs> if you don't know who it is, that's who it can be. Everything becomes a shadow. I got a few theories and observations on this sort of criticism uh, to show the futility of understanding it. Uh, number one, we are not a generation of servants, we are a generation of masters. We are living in a generation of masters. And people that think that they're masters, especially when they're not, uh, they become experts and, and they are going to... Uh, be very critical. We, we live in that day and age. We live in a, a generation of masters. Uh, another thing uh, about this uh, not being understandable is don't believe your biggest worshipers and admirers and don't believe your biggest detractors. Uh, neither of them know what they're talking about. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, he called them this, he called them blame all and praise all he said, Blame all and praise all are twin blockheads. <laughs> okay? You know, and, and, and I've had it. I've, I've, had this, I've had, honestly, I've had the same person in the two month spe- uh, period, and I'm exaggerating just a little bit, not by much. Tell me, um, preacher, I was reading the first part of Genesis, and, and I'm pretty sure somewhere in those first three chapters, uh, God put it in there where you helped him hang the moon. And then two months later, I was reading the book of Revelation. And I'm pretty sure I saw in there that you're the Antichrist. <laughs> so, just ignore, blame all, and praise all. I think Ben Franklin was right. They're, they're both a couple blockheads, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's not understandable. It's not understandable. And, and the other thing is that criticism is easy. Anybody can do it. And uh, someone once said that criticism is the death gargle of the non-achiever. Criticism is the death gargle of the non-achiever. And, and I believe all this woke culture is about that. They haven't built anything, but they're sure great at tearing it down. You know, and symbolic of that is they're tearing down the statues of great men and women who built something. And does our country have... Uh, a fault? Absolutely. But you know what? We're a country that will go to war to solve, solve its own faults, like we did during the Civil War. Hundreds of thousands died to correct the fault of slavery. What institution, what country in this world right now is perfect? None. But what they will do is they will cr- cr- criticize, criticize, tear down, tear down, And and by the way, they don't have anything to put in its place except this. Are you ready? This is just communism by another name. The communists have been doing this for decades. They tear down the natural leaders and leadership and, and structure and system and government that worked for a people that was at least somewhat democratic and gave them some voice and that's all they know how to do is tear down and then replace it with totalitarianism and make those same people that tore down their own government make them their slaves. And, and that's, that's what's being attempted in, in our country right now. Uh, criticism is easy. Anyone can do it. And most people that are the biggest critics have never tried uh, to build or they've become the kind of people that tried and failed and rather than try again they make a career of tearing down those that are still trying and thus criticism is a death gargle of the non-achiever number three number three rule number three out of four when it comes to criticism being leveled at you don't stop hurting don't stop hurting in other words don't get callous don't get callous Now, don't let the hurt stop you, but don't stop hurting. Don't get callous. Someone once said people don't care what you know until they they know that you care. Have a divorce from public opinion, but don't develop an independent spirit. Don't develop a retaliating spirit, and don't develop a bitter spirit. Uh, I learned this a long time ago. Dr. Jack Hiles said it. And uh, say what you want about Dr. Jack, Jack Hiles when he was alive, but you don't pastor a church of 10,000 people when you're stupid. <laughs> and uh, he, he, said about, he said about developing an independent, retaliating, or bitter spirit, he said, listen, nobody can, nobody can ruin your church except you, humanly speaking. So if you don't let these things get to you, you will be fine no matter what anybody tries to do to hurt you or to hurt the church. And there's a lot of truth in that. Now, take your own situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it has something to do with your service for Christ. And by the way, as I said before, just like that woman uh, in the Gospels there who anointed the body of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to his burial, who was she criticized by? She was criticized by some of the disciples. It's going to happen. And you're going to be tempted sometime to say, "Ah, the brethren don't appreciate what I'm doing. They don't they don't see it. They don't and and what is the use? The use is that God sees it. The use is you need to have a divorce from public opinion. Don't stop hurting. Don't get callous, but don't let the hurt stop you. You walk a tightrope at this point. You can't control what others do to you, but you can control your response. I think of David being provoked to number the children of Israel. We have to watch. We have to watch our spirit. We have to watch that we don't get spiritual vertigo. We have to watch that we don't get distracted. We have to watch that we don't start responding to things we shouldn't respond to rather than just ignore them and go on for the Lord and fight his battles and let him fight yours. Let him cover your back. This morning, the spirit of a man, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Someone was criticizing D.L. Moody about his preaching and he he went like this. He said, He said, you see that? He said, I'm using that, pointing to his tongue for God. He said, What are you using yours for? (laughs) Or, like John Tyner said one time, he said, I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. (laughs) So, if you're sensitive by nature, here's another thing avoid those who have a critical spirit. Some people have a PhD in criticism. They have a PhD in criticism. They have Limburger cheese on their mustache and they swear that the whole world stinks. Because eventually, we become like who we hang around with. And then lastly, lastly, remember that it's uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. Leave it in God's hands. If you spend time chasing it, you'll lose your focus. Charles Spurgeon said in his lectures to my students, he said, every preacher needs to develop a blind eye and a deaf ear. There are some things not worth paying attention to. And I think that's true in all of our lives. Because if we go around chasing the criticism, answering all the criticism, and and I really believe, I don't I don't really spend any time on social media, honestly. I uh, I don't have a Facebook account. If, if I see something on Facebook, it's because somebody made a copy of it and said, hey, you should see this or whatever. And... Um, I really believe that all this social media has caused a lot of people to spend a lot of time kind of like a spider on their web waiting for every little vibration or something that touches the web in regard to what is said about them. Someone said to me one time, well, you ought to, you ought to Google your name up and see what comes up. No, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. I, if it's bad enough, it'll get back to me. It always does, right? And so I think this social media has, has sort of ex- exacerbated the whole thing. And uh, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll damage our own spirits. If we're not careful, we'll waste a lot of time. Let me, let me, let me give you a little lit- litmus test here, okay? Uh, this is just something I've been told. I'm sure there's truth to it. Uh, In social media, if it's, if it's controlling your spirit, here's one of the evidences of it. You got unfriended a couple of times this week and so now you're down. Or you put something out there that you really thought was genius and you didn't get near the likes that you wanted. Is that what a like is? Is this, is this a not, not like or a, or a what? I've seen that and that. I, is that a like? What's this? Don't like, Okay. And so now you're down this week because instead of getting all the likes you wanted, you got more don't likes than you thought you should have. And so you go on a fishing trip to see what people really think about you, and you're running around from site to site. Really? Here's another sign that you're addicted to, to, to social media, and it's controlling your spirit. You just had lunch, and you got to put on Facebook... So everybody can know what you had for lunch. Really? Can I suggest something? Get a life. <laughs> Get a life. But I really think this this whole social media has exacerbated all of this. Because now we can know more of what people are thinking and saying about us. And uh, I think life's a lot better when we don't know that. Uh, so... Uh, look, and and you're never gonna win. It's uncontrollable. In the very same week, as a pastor, I've been told that I was I was too nice, if some of you can believe that, and too harsh. All in the same week, I've been I've been told in the same week, either directly or indirectly, that my messages were too long and too short. I've been told in the same week, one way or another that my messages are too doctrinal and not doctrinal enough. And our church has been called in the same week by two different visiting families extremely friendly and very cold and unwelcoming. Or as Jesus said, many are cold and a few are frozen. (laughs) So what do we do? What do we do? In the final analysis, look at uh, Psalm 119. It always comes down to this anyways, folks. In the final analysis, as I said to you earlier, I was looking at that song, number 22, and I decided I'm going I'm to get that in my repertoire of, of, of brainwashing tools, a song I can be singing uh, to myself during the day, especially when my mind is, is tempted to wander into places it should not go. But uh, Bible, saturate your heart and mind with Bible, Psalm 119 and verse 165, Psalm 119 and verse 165. When when somebody uh, criticizes you, here's a good thing in 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and what shall offend them? Nothing shall offend them. Now, Now why is that verse true? You've heard this before, I'll say it again. If I love God's law, I know what God's law says about me and I know how much of God's law I've broken. Okay? So if if I if I focus on that and then somebody says, "Hey, DeMichael is this and he's that." I'm going to think to myself, "You don't know the half." That's light duty compared to what God knows. And guess what? You won't get offended. You won't get offended. And you say, well, they're lying about me. And and as I said earlier, I understand that. that, That's a little more annoying. But didn't didn't they lie about Jesus? Didn't they accuse him falsely? And Jesus said, the servant is not what? Above his master. You know what? If they lie about you, for Christ's sake especially, you're in good company. You're really in good company. And, And again, what can we do with it? chase it around, try to straighten it out. Uh, There might be a time here and a time there if a situation is extreme. I get it. But more often than not, more often than not, we're just chasing shadows and wasting time. Give it to the Lord. Go fight his battles and then ask him to fight yours for you. He can do a better job anyways. So great peace of they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said one time, say, what do they say? Let them say. Because whatever they're saying about me isn't half as bad as what God knows about me, I'm sure. And then lastly, take your Bibles and go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. The best best antidote for all this from from the other side of the equation like we talked about earlier and and not becoming that guy with a critical spirit that just goes around critiquing. And by the way, it is the death gargle of the non-achiever. If you spend your time uh, uh, critiquing everybody else that's actually trying to do something, you're never going to get around to doing anything. And like I said, I think the woke crowd in our country, and I, I believe the media in our, our our country has become just that very thing, and you want to avoid that trap. But again, if you're going to do something for the Lord, you're going to be a target. And so uh, uh, brainwash yourself, saturate yourself with the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8, "Uh, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be virtue, any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Eight things right there to focus on, to focus on and, and distract you from that distraction that will run you down into a rabbit hole that you may never get out again. Teddy Roosevelt said it this way one time, and he was a great believer in the strenu- what he called the strenuous life. He said this, he said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And uh, Lord, uh, you you know my heart. I, I would have rather preached another one of those great themes in the heavenlies about your greatness and such. But uh, Father, we do live in the trenches, and uh, every one of us here uh, is subject because of our old Adamic nature. Of becoming a critic and uh, just spending our lives wasting it that way. And Father, uh, deliver us from such a thing if we have fallen into that trap whatsoever. And uh, help us to uh, spend our days and our years in better endeavors, pursuing your will. And then, Father, on the other side, letting you handle the criticism that comes our way. Lord, thank you for those that do try to restore. Thank you for those faithful wounds of a friend that help. But Lord, there are a lot of drive-bys. There are a lot of slanders. There are a lot of that these days. And it seems like our country is sunk into a morass of this thing. Especially through the media, even social media. And so Lord, help us to navigate through it. To keep our eyes on you. And not to be distracted. But to realize, Lord, they did it to you while you were here on this earth. As you served the Father impeccably, they still found a place to criticize. So, Lord, if we serve you, they're going to do it to us. And help us to count it all joy and help us to realize, Lord, when it does happen, that we do find ourselves in good company. And may we saturate our hearts and minds and literally brainwash ourselves with your word. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 399. Let's stand and sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. Number 399. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided.